Coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, potential names are popping up as far as who could be the next GM of the Silver and Black. That plus a whole lot more comes up on Tuesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, December 19th, 2023. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Just Raiders. Win. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Just win. Your team Just every win. day. Just win. Welcome here, Raider Nation, to another edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen of the day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast to get the latest edition of the show as soon as it becomes available. Of course, if you're checking us out on YouTube, thank you. We appreciate you, and we appreciate my man Ari. Does a great job each and every day making sure we're on YouTube, we're looking good, and we're sounding good. And of course, without you, Raider Nation, there's no point for us to be on YouTube. So we definitely appreciate you in a major way. All the support of the show, all the subscriptions of the show, definitely appreciate it. If you give us three minutes or 33 minutes, whatever the case may be, uh, it does not go for granted. So thank you so much. Can't say that enough. You want to hit up Ari on Twitter, you can, at Ari Produces. You can hit me up as well at your boy Q254 and we got the Lockdown Raider Podcast voicemail line at 707-654-4693 get your calls and texts coming up in segment number three a lot of calls and texts gonna try to get to as many as possible squeeze them in in segment number three segment number two actually have a call that I want to separate and isolate because it has to do with Antonio Pierce and the way we evaluate him the way we've evaluated him since he's taken over as the interim head coach on November 1st to what we'll do throughout the course of the rest of the season the next three games and if they earn some postseason action those games as well and of course when he sits down with Mark Davis and has his formal interview on can he get the job can he not get the job got a really good call that I want you to hear and we want to talk about that in particular in segment number two here in segment number one news and notes of the day we'll jump right into it after I tell you about the title sponsor, which is Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNFL for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So let's go ahead and jump right into it, and there's some names floating around already that you may hear uh, a lot about, or you may just start to hear uh, when it comes to the open GM position. Of course, Champ Kelly is the interim GM right now, as Antonio Pierce is the interim head coach. They have to go through the proper uh, interview process when it's all said and done, but they're holding down the position right now. Other guys and other names to pay attention to as far as it goes with the GM position. I actually received this uh, message by DM on Monday saying, Bengals senior personnel executive Trey Brown is gaining momentum in league circles as a top general manager candidate for the upcoming hiring circle. Also, a couple more names to pay attention to to go along with Trey Brown. Chiefs assistant general manager Mike Berganzi and then 49ers assistant general manager Adam Peters are also viewed as top candidates. So there's three names right there, Trey Brown, Mike Berganzi, and Adam Peters. Now, the thing with Trey Brown, again, Bengals senior personnel executive, he's actually a guy that's interviewed with the Raiders in 2019 and 2022. Obviously, he did not get the job, but he's a guy they're very familiar with. So he's expected to interview with the Silver and Black when the interview process opens up. And he is the guy that apparently is the top dog. He's the leader in the clubhouse, not for the Raiders job, but just uh, for a, a top general manager position in the league. When they start uh, with the hiring cycle, he's a guy to look for to come off the board sooner rather than later. He's really gained some momentum, and some steam. So again, he's Bengals senior personnel executive, Trey Brown. Uh, my guy, Tristan Kuhn, who's really a good uh, source of information as well, tweeted out that, uh, again, he interviewed with the Raiders in 2019 and 2022. He's only 38 years old. He's been with the Eagles, the Patriots, and the Bengals. Spent 
time with college and pro scouting departments, served as the GM of the Birmingham Iron and St. Louis Battlehawks, where both teams finished first in their conference. And if he's hired, he'll be the third youngest NFL active GM. But that's just a little bit of background there on Trey Brown. Want to make sure to bring that to the table. I believe Champ Kelly, for many different reasons, is the leader in the clubhouse, including the fact that when he got hired as assistant general manager, I thought, wow, that's a big hire because he's a guy that's already qualified enough to have his own team. So I think that he's in a really good position. He's already been with the organization. He knows what the scouts are out there looking for. Uh, They know him. So it's not like he has to go into a new situation or they have to bring a guy in to go into a new situation. I feel as they're preparing for uh, the offseason. They're preparing for the draft. They're preparing for free agency. He already has a a leg up on these guys and a step in the right direction, Uh, you know, the foot in the door because of the familiarity. So I think it makes a lot of sense. But, again, they'll go through the, the, the process. Trey Brown, Mike Braganzi, and Adam Peters. Those are three names to look for, and uh, you'll hear, and I'm sure the Raiders will probably interview all those guys, but they'll interview others as well. I don't think it's going to be a a, a quick hire. I don't think it's going to be something that you're going to just see a couple names uh, roll through the Intermountain Health Performance Center. They interview them and then all of a sudden call it a day. I think they're really going to make an extensive search, and of course, with Mark Davis firing Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler first this year, firing them on Halloween, they have a step in the right direction. They already have their, you know, their, their, their nets cast. And so they're already putting their list together and already deciding what they're going to do. And still they have Champ Kelly and Antonio Pierce that they still have to interview. And obviously they're having their on-job interviews as they go each and every day already being there in the building. Uh, also wanted to pass along some grades according to Pro Football Focus for the highest graded Raiders versus the Chargers on Thursday Night Football. And you can imagine when you win 63-21, to 21, you're going to have some guys that are rated pretty high. Jack Jones was the highest rated gra- uh, Raider according to Pro Football Focus grades at 94.2. Obviously, he had the pick six. Uh, he's, he's a guy that I think has an opportunity to really earn himself a nice little role with the silver and black, especially with his familiarity with Antonio Pierce. Uh, he's a guy that may get a little squirrely from time to time, but he's a guy that as long as, like Antonio Pierce said, you hug him, you hug him tight. He's going, to be, he's going to be that dude. He's going to give you everything he's got out there on the field. I could appreciate that. Malcolm Kuntz was the second highest rated grader versus the Chargers, uh, 91.6. And on top of that, he's recorded four-plus quarterback pressures in five straight games. I think Malcolm Kuntz is really starting to come on. I talked about him on Monday's show. You heard from him on Monday's show. He's got four sacks on the season, and he's a dude that's just being used to the best of his ability. The Raiders have identified what he does well and has put him in position to go out there and, excel, and succeed, and I think that that's a really good thing. Uh, his rookie year, he shows signs. You saw what he was able to do. Thought he was going to build on that his uh, his second year in the league. Obviously, that didn't work out. He was basically in Josh McDaniels' doghouse all season long, and now he's getting an opportunity to do what he does best. Four-plus quarterback pressures in five straight games is nothing to shake a stick at. I mentioned it on Monday's show. If you can have Max Crosby and Malcolm Coons as bookends, and then you have a guy like Tyree Wilson in the middle, now you got yourself something, right? Similar to what Khalil Mack and Bruce Irvin were supposed to be, right, when uh, when they they signed Bruce Irvin as a, a free agent. He was supposed to be that complimentary bookend to, to uh, Khalil Mack. Maybe now Malcolm Coons can be that real true bookend to Max Crosby. I really like what he's doing. Oh, speaking of guys that were graded high, how about Max Crosby? 90.7. He was third. Marcus Epps next, 89.8. And then Devontae Adams, 86.2. 
the coordinators are meeting with the media today. We didn't get an opportunity to catch up with Antonio Pierce on Monday. They pushed it back till Wednesday. That's his normal day, but normally it's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But with the game not being played until Monday, uh, they pushed back the coordinator meeting uh, with Antonio Pierce Wednesday and Saturday. We're going to get the opportunity on Saturday to catch up with AP. But today, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham available uh, in the Intermountain Health Performance Center around 11 o'clock. And then Bo Hardegree, the offensive coordinator, will be right after him. So around 11.15, but normally it's not that much of a gap in between. Usually it's like 11 and 11.05 or 11.07, something like that. It's pretty quick. You know, it always goes Patrick Graham, then Bo Hardegree, two guys, two coordinators, both are in the booth now. So I'm sure of a lot of the questions the hard degree will be about being in the booth. I won't be there. I got a meeting at the radio station, so don't have an opportunity to be there for that. But I will be there on Wednesday when we speak to Antonio Pierce. We'll do that on Wednesday and Saturday. And so there you go. Uh, Patrick Graham and Bo Hardegree, both available today at around 11 or 1115. Uh, that's what it's scheduled for. Again, they usually go a lot quicker than that. If anything good and big comes out of that, any big news from that, I'll definitely have it on the podcast coming up tomorrow. Coming up in segment number two, going to talk about Antonio Pierce. You'll hear a call from Raider Kev and talk about the evaluation of Antonio Pierce and how we've evaluated him and how we should evaluate him moving forward. You'll hear that. We'll talk about it coming up in segment number two after I tell you about the title sponsor of the show, which is Game Time. And if you're looking for some last-minute tickets, that's all right. You shouldn't have to worry about when you're going to buy your tickets to the next big event. And it could be any event. It could be a football game. It could be a comedy show. It could be uh, some theater action. It could be a concert. Whatever the case may be, you can get those tickets, last-minute deals, killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Again, last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find, and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, and you get views from all the seats in the venue. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place this place to find last minute seats. Find exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, everything you can imagine they have. Right now, download the Game Time app, create an account, use promo code locked on NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create that account. The promo code is locked on NFL. That's L O C K E D O N NFL for twenty dollars off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Want to get into a call from Raider Kev talking about the evaluation of Antonio Pierce, what he thinks it should boil down to when it comes to will he or won't he get the job. Really good call here from Raider Kev starting us off here in segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Check it out. Good morning, Q. This is Raider Kev. Uh, apologize for any back background noise. Listen, guy, I can't say it enough. Man, I really enjoy your show, but um, what I really want to get to, man, is the evaluation of AP. Uh, people are all over the place, depending on how, you know, whether we win a game or lose a game. Radio Nation, that is not the way we should be evaluating this situation. We need to be understanding, is he a leader of men, and does his team respond to him? And the answer to me is obvious. Yes, he does. And yes, they do. It's plain and simple, okay? Uh, look at how a team doesn't respond. They get blown out 21 to 63, okay? That's not responding, okay? So listen, these last three games, I think, were very important 
to continue to see the progress. My only question, Mark, with AP, I have no question about him being a leader of men. I have no question about whether the team responds to My only question is, how well does he manage the game at hand? And he has to improve on that. He has improved, and I want to continue to see that improvement. Okay? Once those are answered, this guy is our guy. We should not let the opportunity pass to let a leader like this leave our locker room. It would be a travesty. Now, I'm not saying he's the only person on earth could ever get us to where we need to be, but we have the guy in-house, and that's what we, we need to do is keep him in-house. So that's my view about him. And listen, there's a comment on, on the last show that defensive-minded coaches don't win. Well, only two of the greatest uh, are defensive-minded, and Bill Belichick and um, uh, Parcell. Okay, so let's just put that to bed, okay? So listen, guy. Uh, again, I enjoy the show. Really appreciate you, and uh, go Raiders. Thank you so much for the call, my man. I appreciated you. And, and like, man, I, it's funny that you made that call because I wanted to speak on Antonio Pierce anyway. I felt like we had an extra day this week since the game's not till uh, Monday. So I thought, you know what, this will be a really good time to uh, talk about Antonio Pierce. And he obviously is a guy that I've thought about quite a bit and just kind of thought about what he's done and what he's doing moving forward and how he's approaching this interim uh, head coaching job and, and the fact that he obviously wants to get the job Full time, And I love the, the way that you're breaking down uh, how he should look or how he should be evaluated. It shouldn't just be based off of wins and losses. And I don't think it is based off just off of wins and losses. I'll tell you, and I said it right after the game, that Minnesota game, that 3 nothing loss uh, coming off the bye week, obviously that didn't help his chances. But I do think turning around four days later and putting the whip and stick on the Chargers the way that the Raiders did showed a lot in his development as a head coach. Hey, he's able to get that team to clear everything that they had going on on Sunday and that loss to the Vikings, that embarrassing loss, and, and get revved up and ready to go for Thursday. On a short week, no players like the, uh, like the Thursday night games, and they went out there, hair on fire, and were out there to prove a point. Now, I know the Chargers and their team quit, so I don't want you know, to get too far ahead of myself and get you know, too high on one win, but just knowing that he was able to get that team turned around and get them focused and, and, and prepared for this game on Thursday against the Chargers, I think that goes a long way. Now, obviously the next three games are going to be pretty critical as well, right? How do the Raiders look over the next three games? Right Again, it's not necessarily wins and losses like you said, but how do they look over the next three games? Do they look prepared? Do they look like they, uh, they're in position to win? Does it look like all the players are being used to the best of their ability? Like I mentioned, Malcolm Koontz, is he being used the correct way? Clearly he is. You know, all the guys that they have on the roster, uh, are they being, you know, are they being used as contributors? Right? Are they helping this team uh, look successful? You know, what does his in-game decisions look like? That's something that I've been very critical of uh, since he's taken over the interim position because it's not easy the game in time game in the in-game decisions. It's just not, and that's why I could really appreciate the fact that he brought in Marvin Lewis and the fact that he brought in uh, you know uh, Tom Coughlin and he brought in Adam Gase, three guys that have been there, done that, that can help him through that. You know, I mean, if he acted like he was the smartest dude in the room and he knew everything and, you know, had his ego 
uh, you know, couldn't check his ego at the door and say, oh, well, I, I don't need to be told it. You can't tell me nothing like the previous coach did. Uh, that would that would go a long way. But for him to be humble enough to say, hey, man, I need a little bit of help with this. What do you think about my approach here? How could I do it? How would you do it? How have you done it for a very long time? I think that goes a long ways. I really do. So, you know, again, in-game decisions, that's obviously a big deal. You know, does everything look like it's starting to slow down for him, right? Like making the decision to put Bo Hardegree in the booth, right? That was a decision that he made. And following the game on Sunday with the Vikings, he said all the coaches and players will be evaluated. Now, he didn't start Jimmy G. He, uh, you know, looked at Aiden O'Connell and tried to put him in a better position to succeed. And obviously, Aiden had a really good game. He looked at Bo Hardegree and he didn't take the play calling from him, but he moved him. He put him up in the booth and for one game had a really good performance as far as the offense goes. Now, how does that look in the next three games? Well, we'll find out, right? But you can see that he's making moves to try to put this team in the best position to succeed. So to me, that shows the game slowing down a little bit for him. And then again, going back to the fact that he brought people in that have been there, done that, that he's very close with, like he said, his resources, that's that, that says something to me. Every coach wouldn't have the, the ability to do that. Every coach wouldn't, uh, their ego wouldn't allow them to do that, but he did. So and on top of that, the final, the final thing I got for Antonio Pierce and, and what I'm looking for is the fact that he's taking this opportunity so serious. He's not just trying to drive the bus. He's not just trying to, you know, uh, land the plane or guide it in and, and hope that he doesn't scuff anything up. Like he's trying to win. He's trying to get these guys to the playoffs. He's trying to get these guys to play at the highest level of you know their, their capabilities. Like he's not just trying to you know finish off the season and then go up into the offseason and go about his business and do whatever he wants to do. Like he's trying to let it be known, like, hey, Mark, I can do this job. Hey, I got this. These guys will follow me. I'm going to help this team be a winner. And you know the funny thing about it is, if you go back and look at the history of the Raiders, and I've mentioned this before, but. You look at the history of the Raiders, they've done pretty well when they've either promoted a guy or they had a guy as an interim head coach. They've done pretty well. Madden was the linebacker's coach. Then he became Raiders head coach. Worked out pretty well. Tom Flores, wide receiver coach, then was a Raiders head coach. It worked out pretty well. Art Shell, offensive line coach, then an interim head coach, then a head coach. Also worked out pretty well the first time. Bill Callahan, offensive line coach, promoted to head coach after John Gruden got traded to Tampa Bay. It worked out for a while until it didn't. Right? I mean, he did get the Raiders to the Super Bowl. We all know how that shook out, but that worked out pretty well. Tom Cable, he was the interim coach after Kiffin got fired, and, and then he got promoted to head coach. It was okay. right? His record wasn't all that, but you could see the guys out there playing. Then Hugh Jackson gets hired to be the offensive coordinator and support Tom Cable, and he gets promoted to head coach after, after a season, and, and after one season, then he's out of there. But uh, the Raiders were 8-8, eight and eight, and you could see that the team was trending in the right direction with Hugh Jackson. I remember when he got hired as offensive coordinator, I was like, yeah, he's going to be the head coach next year. <laughs> right? Tom Cable's going to be there for this year. Hugh Jackson's going to get them going, get these guys playing for him offensively, and they're going to put him in the, in the uh, head coaching position, which they did. And I think that it, you know, it worked out for the one year. Obviously, it didn't work out for the long haul. Uh, you know, Mark Davis decided to go and hire Reggie McKenzie. Reggie McKenzie decided to, hire, to fire Hugh Jackson and bring in Dennis Allen. And, well, we all know how that shook out after that. Uh, speaking of uh, Dennis Allen, Tony Sperano became the interim after Dennis Allen got fired. Uh, and then he finished the season three and nine. Rest in peace to Tony Sperano. That obviously didn't work out very well. Uh, and then the latest, Rich Basaccia, interim following the Gruden resignation. That clearly worked out well. They made it to the playoffs. Now, he didn't get the job, and I never thought that he was going to get the job. 
Uh, but for some reason, I feel a lot better about Antonio Pierce. Maybe it's just the, the youthful energy that he has, uh, the enthusiasm behind the coaching position. I don't know. But it's something about Antonio Pierce, the, the way that these guys are, are playing for him, the way that they're all competing for him, uh, the way they all want to win for him. That's what they tell us in the locker room all the time. We want to win for AP. The way they do that just makes me, you know, think that he has a real deal shot at this job. Obviously, he became the interim after uh, Josh McDaniels was fired on Halloween night. So I think that the Raiders have had some pretty good success with guys who have either been promoted or put into the interim position and then given an opportunity uh, maybe to be the, the head coach following. But like I said, Rich Passaccia obviously was not uh, hired full time. Uh, he's now in Green Bay as a special teams coach. AP has his opportunity, but. They've got a pretty decent history right there, and I think that they could do some really good things. I would be excited for the opportunity for Antonio Pierce to grow with the organization. You know, they give him his first head coaching uh, opportunity, and he runs with it, right, and holds on to that position, just kind of grows, similar to what Mike Tomlin did in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. Just grow with the team, be with them for a very long time. I would love to see the Raiders get some stability at that head coaching position and hold on to that guy for a long time, him have some success early on and continue to breed that success with the silver and black. That would be something to pay attention to because that's something that the Raiders haven't had in a very, very long time. Uh, one more soundbite I want you to hear as we're here in segment number two of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast. Uh, coming up after this, we'll get into segment number three, your calls and texts. But this is uh, Tina Wynn from uh, Channel 13 Sports here in Las Vegas. Uh, she does a fantastic job. She does a feature called 100 Yards With, and normally she'll have like the UNLV head coach. Uh, she's talked to many different head coaches, many different players. It's a feature that she, she provided, uh, she brings to the table, and I think she does a really good job. She did 100 Yards with Antonio Pierce, where they walked and talked all things ball. And here are the final two questions uh, that she had for Antonio Pierce and his answers. I thought they were really good. So here is Tina Wynn with Antonio Pierce, 100 yards with AP. How has being a former player helped you in terms of coaching and relating to the guys? Oh, I know. I know when they're pissed off. I know when they're mm -hmm. mad. I know when they don't like something. I know when they give me that Scooby-Doo look. <laughs> you know, uh, I know what all that means. And more importantly, I think they understand and I know everything they're going through off the field. Coach, as we approach the end zone here, why are you the right <clears throat> fit to be the next head coach for the Las Vegas Raiders? Well, I, I think first and foremost, you're talking about somebody who has a love and a passion for this organization. Grew up a Raider fan my whole life. But more importantly, uh, I've been a football player. I was born a football player. I was born a Raider. I said that before. At the day, I'm a winner. I'm a born winner. I was a winner on the field. I'm a winner off the field. I'm a winner of men. So I just love what he said about, you know, what it means to be a former player and how that helps him as the head coach of the Silver and Black. And then you heard the last question where she said, you know, why should you be the head coach of the Raiders? Why are you the best guy for the job? And I love his answers right there. It made a lot of sense. Right. And, and it just shows you, again, the passion that he has for the position. I think that it would be a really good thing if he can get that job. And I'll tell you, I mean, I, I didn't I thought I was going to hold out for a long time and really wait to make a decision. But I just think straight up, I could tell you pretty comfortably on December 19th. I think Antonio Pierce is the right guy for the job. I really do. I think Champ Kelly is the right guy for the job as well. Uh, I think the jury's still out on the quarterback position. I definitely believe the, the jury's still out on the uh, on the offensive coordinator. But as far as the head coach and the and the GM, I think those guys should uh, should get the job. I think AP and Champ Kelly should definitely get those jobs moving forward. Obviously, the Raiders are going to do all their interview process, and they're going to try to put the best person in position. But for my money, the best people in those two positions would be Champ Kelly as the GM and Antonio Pierce 
as the head coach. Coming up in segment number three, your calls and texts. We have that Lockdown Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. We'll get into that after I tell you about LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Hiring is easy when you have the many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is quick and easy. They even launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and even quicker. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Your calls and texts. You have that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, 707-654-4693. Let's start things off with Sci-Fi Geek in the 509 calling to talk about a current player and a former player and has an idea for both of them. Here he is, Sci-Fi Geek in the 509. Yo, Q, this is Sci-Fi Geek from the 509. I'm calling to nominate uh, John Jenkins for a rushing touchdown, or at least some first downs, and nominating Lincoln Kennedy as O-line coach. I don't know if any of this can go down or would go down, but I'm thinking... uh, who can stop a 300-pound rusher? You know, it's got to be something in it. And the way Lincoln Kennedy just explains everything, it's coach time. I don't know. All right. I'm out. Raiders! Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate you. And, yeah, John Jenkins, 11-year vet. The more he can do, the better, right? That's what he said in the locker room following the game on Thursday. Maybe they could put him in as a fullback, and he can be a a blocker down by the goal line. I think that that would be kind of cool to see him in that kind of a role and maybe even hand on the ball once in a while. I don't know. You don't want to get too cute, man. You only got three games left. You're trying to win every single one of the games. But that would be kind of a cool way to – you know, seal the deal against Kansas City on Christmas morning, right? The Raiders have a little bit of a lead, get down by the goal line and give it to big John Jenkins and let him try to get through there and score a touchdown. That would be kind of cool. And as far as Lincoln Kennedy as a coach, he'd be fantastic. He would, but he wants nothing to do with it. I've mentioned it to him so many times. So many people have suggested it to me. Oh, man, does Lincoln want to coach? Does he want to coach? He said he would coach high school football, not in the NFL. So that's what he says. Now, I'll ask him later on today when I talk to him. He'll be on my radio show, Radio Nation Radio 920. He'll be on there around 3.30. I'll ask him straight up. If AP were to get the job and come to you and say, hey, man, I want you to be the offensive line coach, what would he say? I'm going to ask him that question. I know he's told me no many times, but I will pose that to him. It might be a little bit different when, you know, a a coach actually comes to you and asks you to be that guy, especially a former player that you have a lot of respect for. And I know how much he respects Antonio Pierce. So thanks for the call. I do appreciate you. Up next, got a text from the judge. Says, hey, Q, it's the judge here. Just wanted to say how pleased I am with Tyree Wilson's new role and the push he's getting when he's lined up inside making it easier for Crosby and Coons to get to the quarterback. I was disappointed in Wilson's efforts a few weeks, weeks ago, but, man, you can see the growth now. Also the growth, as it, also, the growth of AP as the head coach is great. And Jack Jones, who? Jack Jones? <laughs> Raiders. That's from the judge. And, yeah, uh, there's no doubt, man, Tyree Wilson in the middle I think is a game changer. 
I think that that really helps the Raiders in a major way. And if he can continue to carve out that role and be that guy, uh, man, you can have that three-headed monster between Crosby, Wilson, and Kuntz. I'm good with that. I still think that the Raiders need to make another addition to the defensive line at some point, you know, and go and get a guy in the draft, maybe uh, somebody that they can put in as part of the rotation. They Now they have a lot of dudes on the defensive line. You just haven't seen a whole lot from these guys throughout the course of the year. So maybe uh, at some point you'll start to see a little bit of burn from these younger guys. But uh, they, I think they need just a little bit more. But, man, the defense is cooking right now, and Tyree Wilson is looking good from the interior of that defensive line. Thanks so much for the text. I appreciate you. Up next, got a call from Sucker Free Raider. He's calling to talk about Thursday night game and the Raider Nation showing up and showing out in Allegiant Stadium. Here he is, Sucker Free Raider. Yo, what's up, Q? It's your boy, Sucker Free Raider. That game right there last night was the perfect example of um, uh, I, I heard a bunch of uh, fans call in and talk about uh, the, the ratio of uh, other fans compared to ours. If last night there was only 10% Raider fans, it still would have been loud as F. I'm going to say F. Loud as F because we had something to cheer for. I've been there. I'm from the Bay. I fly out all the time to go to games, and it's crazy how um, it it doesn't matter if there's 90% of the other fans. If you give us something to cheer for, we will cheer. We will be loud and proud and do our damn thing. You feel me? And last night was the epitome of it don't matter how many fans we have there or not. If you give us something to cheer for, we will be there and doing our damn thing. All right? Go Raiders. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And you're right, man. Raider Nation always does their part. They get loud regardless of the situation, regardless of how many of the opposing fans are there. Raider Nation shows up and shows out in a major way. Like I said, there's a lot of times where they're outnumbered by uh, the fan, the opposing fans that are there. But when it's third and long and they need to get loud, they'll get loud. There's no doubt. It's the problem is that the Raiders, to your point, uh, haven't given the, the, the fan base enough to cheer for consistently. Now, they've done a better job this year winning games at home as opposed to uh, the couple of other years that the, the, the stadium's been open. They've got to do that consistently. They've got to establish that home field winning. They've got to win at Allegiant Stadium more times than not, and Raider Nation will show up, and they will be super loud, just like they were on Thursdays. You, you, you could feel what it was like uh, when the Raiders were winning and dominating, and Raider Nation wasn't sitting on the edge of their seat worried about the game. That was over at halftime, and Raider Nation had a really good time. It was loud the whole time. Thanks for the call, my man. I definitely appreciate you. Up next, got a text from Fitzy from New Hampshire. It says, hey, Q. Has anyone asked Pierce who might be some staff members he'd consider bringing in if he gets the job? I'm still not convinced he's the man for the job, but if I knew the thought of his staff, maybe I'd be swung. Thanks, Q. Keep up the great job. Fitzy from New Hampshire, and thanks for the text. And no, not going to ask him that question right now out of respect for everyone who's still on the roster. You know, it's like you can't, and on the coaching staff, you can't ask him, hey, man, who are some coaches that you'd bring in if you do get the job? Well, I'd bring in this guy as the OC. I'd bring this guy in as the offensive line coach. I bring Like, he wouldn't do that. So we can't ask him that question right now. That's a question that you ask after he gets the job. Like, is there somebody that you have in mind? I mean, you just – there's really nothing you could do about that right now because all these other coaches are on are on contract, and you don't want to be disrespectful like that. So I, I definitely wouldn't ask that question. That's something for after the season once, you know, decisions start to get made and you can start to see if, you know, the OC doesn't come back or the offensive line coach doesn't come back or whatever the case may be, special teams, whoever it is. Right. I think the defensive coordinator, there's no doubt Patrick Graham will come back. Um, I think there's a question on the OC 
Uh, I think the offensive line coach has actually done a pretty good job. Special teams has done a really good job. A.J. Cole's been kicking out of his mind. So I don't know how many coaches he'd change, but LeVar Arrington said there was three guys that uh, he was focusing on bringing in that, that, if the, that if he brought them in, that would be a game changer. So I don't know who that is, and we won't find out till well, later on if we find out at all. But, no, nobody's asked that question as of right now. Thanks for the text, though. I do appreciate you. Uh, got one more call. This one will take from Jordan in Oregon, uh, a frequent caller of the show. He's calling to talk about some players that I've talked about over the years that I've either pounded the table for or mentioned as players that I thought were really good and has a question about some upcoming talent. Here he is, Jordan in Oregon. Hey, what's going on, Q? Jordan in Oregon calling in here. Hey, I just wanted to chime in after listening to your podcast and <clears throat> definitely uh, got me thinking, Q. I hear you talking about uh, our team and just, you know, kind of kind of the situation of, of where this team could be. And uh, obviously, I totally agree with you on some of these takes, like the Steeler game and whatnot. Like, we, we could have a game or two, a few of these games. You even pointed out the Bears or whatever with their with their young kid that we, we probably should have had that as a dub. But I always I always point this out anytime I hear that point, is that that, <laughs> that could be true, but it's also usually the case with all 31 other teams is that, there's usually a game or two, possibly even three, that you could kind of look at and go, wow, if it wasn't for that, you know, fumble or it wasn't for that missed field goal at the end or whatever, um, which is not trying to make me, you know, be like Debbie Downer or whatever. I just wanted to point that out so we're we're all keeping that in, in mind as well. But, hey, man, I wanted to call, and I think I'd had like a similar call last year around this time was – uh uh, in regards to some guys that I've noticed since I've been listening to your pod for, you know, three, four years here now that you kind of identified and that have panned out and they're, they've been guys you've kind of the table for and guys that, that are dogs. And so I'm going to lay them out is, uh, you, you knew about Mahomes. It kind of sounds like that's before you're rocking the pod with Raider Nation, but you, this, you, you weren't excited when they got them. Let's put it that way. And I never can, can't vouch that you were pounding the table for the Raiders to take them, but you definitely made it clear that you knew it wasn't good news when they got that guy. So you must have known some, something about him. Um, then there, then for me, it's Josh Jacobs. I, I knew about Josh Jacobs, but I didn't know a lot about him. You know, I knew he had a great national championship and saw some of what he did at Alabama. Well, you came straight out when we had those three first-round picks, and he was literally one of the main guys you were pounding the table for. And uh I know some of it you talked about was the interviews you have with him. You could already tell he had a tough mindset, just how he came up. And so, I was, you know, I always will remember that, man. It's like that was a, a hell of a call on that one. And then there's Jalen Hurts. Uh, I was totally against that when you were pounding the table for Hurts. And it was when Carr was kind of in the midst of the Gruden situation and just was having some, you know, okay play, probably his top play he's ever had. I, I was thinking, what, why are we wanting to waste capital on Hurts? Well, here we are again, man. You're right on that one, too. And so this call isn't just to, like, you know, pump you up, oh, cues right about everything, but if you could identify one guy, I don't want a list or, or make you have to think of a list, but who would that be in this year? It would be like a Jaden Daniels. I've already heard you kind of slipping his name in a bit. Let me know, man. Peace. Thank you so much for the call, my man. I appreciate you. And, yeah, you're right, man. I've hit on some players. 
I've also got plenty wrong, <laughs> right? I mean, we all do, right? There's certain players that you look at and you're like, yeah, that's going to be a game, game changer. That's going to be a, a player right there. And you're right. Josh Jacobs was the guy that I, I pounded the table for for, for the jump. Uh, I talked about uh, Jalen Hurts. And obviously, uh, you know, the Raiders didn't go in that direction, but he's worked out pretty well. You know, but there's other guys that I've pounded the table for. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes is the latest one, right? I liked him a lot uh, coming out of Mississippi State. Washington got him. They've benched him. Right, he hasn't been that guy. Now, Tariq Woolen, uh, the cornerback from uh, the Seahawks, fifth round pick out of UTSA a year ago. I also said that that was a really good player. He turned out to be a good player. I know he's been up and down this year for Seattle, but he was a really good one. So uh, I've picked a few. I've gotten a few ones, a few right, but like I said, I've gotten more uh, wrong as well. As far as guys that I like, I'll give you two. I'll give you a quarterback, uh, Jaden Daniels. You mentioned him. I've said him before. Uh, Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner out of LSU by way of Arizona State. I think he'd just be a dynamic quarterback. You look at the AFC, and I think you've got to have that dude to compete with all the guys that are in the AFC. Just look at the AFC West. You got Herbert, you got Mahomes, you got Russell Wilson's playing better, right? But if you look at the, the body of work in the AFC, you got Tua in Miami, uh, you've got Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, right? I mean, you got Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. I don't know if he's ever going to be that guy again, but he's still, he's still a threat to be really good. Uh, let's see, you got uh, Josh Allen in Buffalo. Right, I mean, there's just there's arms. Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. Don't want to forget him. Right, he very easily could end up being the MVP of the league. For all we know, uh, he's his team's the only team that's punched their ticket to the playoffs in the AFC as of right now. But there's a lot of talented quarterbacks in the AFC conference. I think Jaden Daniels would give the Raiders that dynamic dude that can compete with the guys that I just mentioned and then some. Uh, as far as other guys, I got to give you at least one Bama guy, right? I'm a Bama dude through and through. Uh, I say it all the time. Uh, I love watching Alabama football. Uh, I love trying to scout Alabama football and seeing what guy I'd like to see the Raiders go get. Quentin Williams was another guy I wanted the Raiders to go get when they got Clee Farrell. Uh, he didn't make it to the Raiders at number four. They actually had a, a beeline on him. Josh Jacobs has said that they both thought that they were going to get drafted by the Raiders because uh, the Raiders had showed interest in both uh, Quentin Williams and Josh Jacobs. And unfortunately for the Raiders, uh, Quentin Williams got selected one pick before the Silver and Black got to uh, got to get up to the podium. Uh, so the Jets got Quentin and the Raiders got Cleve Farrell. Well, we all know how that worked out. But let me go ahead and give you my one Alabama guy, and then we'll wrap it up. And you know I always talk about DBs. DBs win games. Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, the cornerback, uh, he's, he's a, he's a big-time player. Right, and, and I like the, the cornerbacks that the Raiders have, but I do think that they need to have another dude, another dog, and he is that guy. And just, I mean, I, I watch him all the time, so I just really like the fact that he could play zone. He could play man. He's a willing tackler. Uh, he's a tough dude. He's similar to kind of the Jack Jones where he's, he's a tough guy, similar to Nate Hobbs too, has some toughness. Uh, I like that. I think that that's important. But just going back and looking at some of the draft, uh, you know, the recap of him and, and the summary of him, Exhibits exceptional awareness in zone coverage, consistently reading and reacting to the quarterback and unfolding plays. Boasts impressive length, uh, leveraging it to disrupt passes and intimidate receivers with his extended reach. Uh, skilled in bump and run, utilizing foot quickness and hip fluidity to mirror and challenge receivers instantly. Demonstrates remarkable ball skills, particularly when facing the quarterback, frequently contesting and disrupting pass attempts effectively. He's got a couple uh, career interceptions there at Alabama. I wouldn't mind seeing him added to the Raiders secondary, just continue to bolster that defense that I think is coming along really well, but that'll give some versatility to Patrick Graham and that unit. Would like to see that. I'm really pulling for Jack Jones. I really am. I hope that he ends up becoming a diamond in the rough and the Raiders could use him long-term. Nate Hobbs continue to develop. I think Amik Robertson uh, has earned his role. I don't think there should be any question each and every year if he's going to make the roster. I think he's earned that. 
Uh, I hope that they show him that that what he means to the team and solidifies his spot. Marcus Epps and Trayvon Merrick on the back end. They still have Chris Smith. And, of course, Jacorian Bennett's a guy that they drafted last year, and he's got still to develop. But uh, it's a pretty salty secondary uh, in, in, in cornerback room. A lot of young dudes that they can grow off and don't have to worry about going and signing free agents like a Marcus Peters like they did this past year. And, obviously, that didn't work out. He got one uh, interception with the team, a pick six, and – then he got, uh, he got released <laughs> just because of, well, lack of effort. So you know how that goes. But that's what I got time for. Jordan, thanks for the call. It's always great to hear from you. I still got a text from Assassin's Ghost. Got a couple calls that we'll get to on tomorrow's show. We'll have more news and notes, and we'll have plenty of conversation here as well on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. So until Wednesday, Raider Nation, take care of yourself, take care of your family, love on your family. Most importantly, as always, just win, baby. <laughs>